Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone, I'm Emma and this is How Long Have You Got, the Identity Podcast. When you first meet someone, the typical question is often, where are you from? And why shouldn't people be curious about your story? It seems like an innocuous question, but for many of us, it's a loaded one. Often we respond by saying, how long have you got? Because can we really pin it down and does it matter? I'll be speaking to some great people who are quite simply doing great things. People from all walks of life who are willing to share their stories. Of life, of love, of work and more. We'll see where the stories take us and the depths we reach or the heights we attain. Grab a drink, get your walking shoes, or just find your space. How long have you gone? Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of How Long Have You Got? The Identity Podcast. We've had some really great speakers featured in our series so far, and today we're delighted to welcome Lewis Rennox, one of the biggest names in fitness right now. He's graced the pages of men's fitness and was one of the all-star trainers at Barry's Boot Camp. Certainly makes me want to reconsider the burger I've just eaten. <laughs> Lewis's most recently co-founded venture is Grindhouse UK, a class-based fitness service with one goal in mind to demystify the outdated stereotypes around strength training and show how fitness can transform your mind, body, and happiness, either in the gym or at home. With Lewis today, we will be exploring the tension between long-term gain and instant gratification, different ways of learning, and how not to fear failure. Lewis, it's a real pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for joining. (laughs) Thank you for that introduction. I'm going to like cut that and then anyone says Louis just give us an introduction I'm just going to play that that was like the best introduction I've ever heard in my life oh good I'm so glad you approve I, I my, that was my fantastic yeah. <laughs> I can try but, it in a few different accents next time as well depending yeah, on where you br- go that was brilliant <laughs> so so tell me Louis um what gets you out of bed in the morning um a lot of things a lot of things just keep it moving staying motivated um yeah, I'm just, you know, I take kind of every day as it comes um, with my day-to-day stuff. And, you know, I have big goals in mind. And I just, every day I wake up and I just one step further to them goals. And I just keep, yeah, keep that show on the road. So if we d- just take a bit of a um, a, a back step, um, you know, from Grindhouse and the amazing things that you're doing at the moment. Uh, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago now when we talked about your childhood and your yeah. young self journey. And it was interesting because you said you never quite felt at ease at school, but you realized you needed to make something of yourself. Mm. You started at university by creatively forging your way in. Yeah. You, you, you dropped out to film Shipwrecked. Yeah. You started working at Abercrombie and Fitch at their peak. You met your baby mama. And yeah. Soon after that, you began your journey in, in the world of fitness and, and personal training. So what would you say out of that abridged history was your most formative moment that has made you who you are today? Oh, wow. Um, I think there was a, f- a few moments in there that like, I kind of look back at the time like to a younger me and kind of remember 
at the time thinking there's two roads. Um, one of them was definitely like going to university. Uh, obviously, I didn't get the grades at A-levels. I was just young, naive and stupid. I, I didn't even try to go to some exams. I just didn't get the grades. Um, so, yeah, I got my way into university somehow. That's a, that's another story. Um, and yeah, it, that was a defining moment. It was like I was seeing people go off and leave my town and, you know, going on to university and, and being independent. And I was seeing the other half of people staying in my town and doing other kind of stuff. So that was a moment where I was like, wow, I really need to make this work. And somehow it was like magic that I managed to get it into university. Um, that was one of the moments. And the second moment was probably when I found out about um, I was going to be a dad. Um, so once I got that news, like it was literally, it sounds cliche, but like some, a click went off. Um, just to give an example, like I couldn't drive. Um, I learned how to drive in three days. Um, I had no, no, you know, I didn't have any kind of background in business. Um, I set my gym up in like two, three months. Um, so it kind of like pushed me into like, you know, getting shit done basically. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, what would you say? I mean, just, just listening to your story about, you know, um, having, having your daughter, which was obviously a big catalyst and just even taking it one step, um, back to uh, getting into university, what would you say was the key decision you made where you realized you had to take ownership for yourself and your own direction? Um, it's just at that, before that, I was just kind of literally plodding along through life and just doing stupid shit and, you know, really kind of like short-term gain, like just doing things that just kind of made me feel great in that moment. Um, and then it was a moment where all my life, even from a kid, I always wanted to be something special. Um, what that special was, it took me a while to kind of work out, but I always wanted to be different. I didn't want to be um, like the normal person. I just wanted to do something different. Um, I wanted to be able to tell my story later on and it, it'd be a story that people could kind of listen to. And I always had that in the back of my mind. And I got to a point before university when I was pissing around in my A-levels that I realized if you don't do something about this now, it's not just going to happen for you. And before my mentality was like, something will happen. Like, you're just going to win the lottery tomorrow. And someone's going to knock at your door and go, hey, oh, mate, it's the best life possible. And that was the kind of mentality I had, stupidly. And then all of a sudden, it dawned on me like, no, 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 no. You've got to get shit done. The only way is by you doing something about it. And I had left it too late. You know, I've seen the light a little bit too late. But, you know, fortunately... Um, I was smart enough to do something about it at the time um, and find a way to kind of yeah, get into university. It's really interesting that you say you didn't want to be normal. You wanted to do something special. You wanted to do something different. Did you realize in that moment, whether it was a eureka moment or, you know, sort of um, something that you realized over time, um, but did you understand that you might fail? And did you know what failure meant? Um, at the time, no. I mean, that was my first kind of failure with A-levels. So you kind of like, I even, <laughs> I even turned up to get my results. Like, And 
like I, I don't know, it's like I expected them to go, oh, here's like three A's and a B. And like, no, I didn't even, I didn't even go to some of the exams. So it's like, well, what was I expecting? Like just a miracle to happen. Like, hey, yeah. And then the uni go, hey, get in. We, we want you. Like, no, you've got no A-levels. <laughs> I was so <laughs> stupid. Um, but like, yeah, that was like my first failure. But that was my fault. You know what I mean? It wasn't like I attempted something and failed. It was like you failed because you were an idiot. So it didn't really feel like a failure. And I didn't really um, know failure that much until I first became a personal trainer. And I failed hard, like boom, no money, nothing. Literally, I can remember the time I was with a, uh, a girlfriend for like three years, she like left me. It was just one like a moment, like sitting on the curb in the rain, ringing my mom going like, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? So it was, um, yeah, that, that was the first time I kind of felt failure. So how do you define failure? I think when it, when it comes to failing, many people are afraid of it and it means different things to all of us. And I think failing in terms of what it might show of people and to them differentiates as well. So, so how do you define failure? I d failure is like, obviously you, you're trying something and it doesn't work out, but really failure is not the right word because kind of failure is like a drop off. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, you failed. You didn't gain anything from it, but I did. I, I actually did a talk on this to a company. It's like, let's say me and you are going to run the marathon. Yeah. And then you say, you know, three months before, I'm not on it, Louis. I don't fancy it. But I try and I train and I train and I train and I train. And then um, a week before the marathon, I sprain my ankle. Yeah. So when they say, oh, did you run the marathon? Well, no, really, I failed because I did the training, but I got injured. But the difference between me and you is for the next marathon, you've never done a day of training. And I've trained for so long. So I'm this much closer to the goal. And that's the same with business, life, relationships, anything else. If you try and fail and fail over and over and over again, you have so much more knowledge and so much more understanding. So you're so much more closer to what you want to achieve. People have this big thing about not trying anything. And then actually when they try it, the expectations are completely wrong. People expect certain things that are perfect, but really, you cannot. You can only understand that nothing's perfect by trying and failing. Um, I read it. I read a quote the other day. It's like, if you have a six-year goal, put it into five months and try and do it. You'll be better doing that than trying to do it over six months. You'll get further along, and I truly believe that. Truly believe. That that's brilliant. And I can totally relate on that point, actually, just in terms of the own goals and objectives I set myself um, this January um, and the things I wanted to achieve by my date of 31st of, of March. And you're absolutely right. When you have a timeline and you know you need to complete it by a certain date, kind of chop that in half and see what you can do um, by by really just focusing. And it really mm -hmm. is what you can do when um, when you put your mind to it. But I think you talk about expectations and tying that into failure. And I think that that is, that is key. Um, I think failure and success have become increasingly tied to time-based gains, goals and achievements. People want more, faster every time. 
So what is your experience with, with, um, with patience and how did you learn to develop it? And how do you think that this relates to the fitness world and life as a whole? Like, obviously, a lot, you know, being a trainer for so long, you have so many people that come with short-term goals. <laughs> like I had one guy wanting to look like 50 Cent, and he was, he was an overweight white guy, but he was never, <laughs> never going to happen. <laughs> you know, he had the goal, and I had to, yeah, you know, it might work out. Um, but everyone in fitness has short-term goals. That's just how it is. You know, I want to get a six-pack in six weeks. Six-minute abs, all of them things are so popular within fitness. Um, but what you got to realize with fitness is it just does not stop. It's not short-term. And the sooner as you understand that, the better it is for you, that this is a lifestyle. When I first started training, I was like, I want to get ripped and big and this and that. And when I'm there, I'm sweet. You never get to that point and are satisfied. So therefore, just put this into your life, like work like drinking water, like walking, like brushing your teeth. This is just something that you've got to do. Um, the more you do of it, the better it will make you feel. But if you're looking to get to a certain goal, you have to do way more than people think. And when you get to that goal, you will drop off because getting, getting to a fitness goal, it isn't sustainable long-term. You know, if if you want to get your body fat down or you want to be super ripped or you want to get a certain size, it's to, to live that lifestyle um, is, is, is quite hard. You know, you can do it. You can do it short term and you'll get the results, but you will fall off. So you, you better off kind of saying to yourself, listen, let me just be healthy, fit, put it into my day to day three, four times a week. And your body will naturally change over time. And you'll just become one with your body and be like, you know what? I look sweet all the time because this is just part of my life so so how did you develop patience uh lewis to get like clients well no just in terms of how you develop patience, oh, patience patience with with um with actually learning that you know these goals and objectives and achievements um you know are not necessarily time-based and um you know um our instant gratification but actually as you say a lifestyle um mm. it's i mean i'd be lying if i said i had patience like i would just be lying to you right now i don't have patience and every day is a battle of that but i've learned to do especially with fitness is literally take every day as it comes with fitness is just like, listen, I'm going to be healthy today. I'm going to try and walk. I'm going to try and do this. And I do that every day. And I do that every day. And over time, I see my body changing in the right direction. It's natural that you want that really quick. But the only reason I know it can't happen really quick is because I've tried to do it really quick. And I've tried to do the quick way and it just does not work. So, you know, I have to have patience because I have the knowledge. But there is that sting in me that wants it now, 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 now. And it's the same with business. And it's the same with relationship or it's the same with anything. Like, you just want it all tomorrow. But sometimes you're not ready for it. So you have to kind of have the patience to, to... And sometimes you think you're ready for it and then you don't know you wasn't ready for it until you learn later on, you know, from that. So, yeah, I've kind of learned the hard way to have patience. 
Do you do you think um, that there's a lot of pressure on people to perform in the sense of you know a facade or putting on a mask with with everything um, that is you know being data analyzed today? We're constantly being compared and contrasted. You know, if you think from a fitness perspective, you, know, you think about the Fitbits and Apple devices, the Pelotons, the CrossFits, etc. Um, you know, do you think that there is an added pressure unlike before? And do you think as human beings, perhaps we just aren't ready for this as you were just saying yourself? Um, I think the, the pressure is down to the individual. So certain individuals love pressure. Like for me, I, I love pressure. I love the pressure of, you know, someone being better, someone being stronger, fitter, whatever, because it then makes me think, you know what? I want to be that and I can be that because we all we was all born on this level playing field in, in regards to fitness and um, being physical. So it, it's, um, I, I do think the competitiveness is, is a good thing. It's just about how you use it. And you can't compare yourself to anyone else but yourself because you don't know what that person's doing. You know, you can't see this. A lot of, we do it in the gym all the time. You'll see, one guy in the gym and I'd be like, wow, he's in shape. But he probably goes home and has a bike in his bedroom that he sits on for two hours in the morning. He probably never eats anything but chicken and broccoli. He, he you know, does drinks black coffee only. I'm out here on oat flat whites and cookies in the morning. So you can't, how am I going to compare to him? So, and that's the biggest problem people have. They compare the way you look. And you just can't do that because you just don't know what that person's doing on their time off. They could be a pro. Yeah. Do you think maybe then that people have a false perception of reality? Oh, 100%. 100%. (laughs) Do you know what? I even had it until I went to Dubai in November. Um, Was it November? Yeah. And I seen a lot of influencers, yeah, that I kind of had looked up to. Not up to, but like, wow, they're in shape. And I seen them in the, the wild and I was like, no, no, I don't want no part of that. I don't want to look like that. I don't want to be like that because most of these people, they look, you know, a million dollars on, on, on a picture, but you, you see them in real life and they just either my, my friends are twat or they look like an idiot because all they care about is what they look like through a device. Um, and trust me, anyone that follows anyone on, on Instagram, take it as a pinch of, pinch of salt, <laughs> literally take it as a pinch of salt. It's like reading a newspaper. Just take it as a pinch of salt because honestly, if you've seen what went into some of the stuff, even I do it, trust me, it's, it's not, it doesn't look like that behind the camera. <laughs> well, well, you know, this is. Um, you know, you've touched on some really interesting points there. And I think, you know, around influencers in particular, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, question marks around um, the authenticity of of influencers and some of the, the brands and products that they're promoting today. Um, but you have a little girl who's growing up as a digital native and is still subject to all of these pressures. Um, what what do you hope for her? She grows into a woman and finds her own place in the world. Um, yeah, sometimes I worry about that uh, on her, like comparing herself. Um, but I think she's growing up in a different world than what we did, where you know everything was slightly more separate. So if you was black or if you was 
Asian or if you was gay, straight, trans, whatever, like you was kind of put into this category and you was separated. And with her generation, what I'm finding out now is everyone is just everyone. And, you know, I said to her the other day, was watching Dinner Date, and I was like, you know, just out of interest, like, what would you look for for a dinner date? Like, dinner date. Thinking, you know, if someone asked me as a kid, I'd be like, oh, I want this girl, that girl. And if someone asked a girl, they'd be like, a guy, because that's what you see. But these days, she just says, I'd like a nice person. You know what? That's amazing that they don't... I think that's what the world should be. There shouldn't be, like... You know, obviously, yeah, you, you might be born a girl or a male, but you shouldn't need to say it like, I'm a man or I'm a girl or I'm gay or I'm black or I'm half black or I'm this. Like, just, hi, my name's Louis. That's who I am. And I think if we can change the way we put things out there on social media, I think the next generation will hopefully be better. Um because I think people are coming around to the idea that social media is a bit bit of a circus and a bit wild. Yeah, no, and I love that point as well around sort of, you know, people just accepting each other for, for people rather than mm. you know, their gender or their ethnicity or their cultural or, you know, political views. Um, what 100%. Would you, what, would, what would you say, like, in terms of your own identity as a mixed-race um, very attractive man. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, what would you say have been your biggest struggles, um, you know, growing up and, and in, in your career and reaching the, the, the peak um, that you're at right now with, with Grindhouse? Um, so growing up was, I was like, obviously different because I was the only black guy in my primary school. I think I was the only black guy in my primary school. And then secondary school, I think I was like one of three. So I knew I was different. Um, was okay. Uh, you know, I, to be honest with you, I didn't get as much stick as other people. And back then racism, you kind of just, it was okay, which sounds crazy. It's only now that, you know, it's not okay that you, you realize it wasn't okay then. But back then it was just like, that's what it was. Someone called you a black bastard. You just took it on the chin. Um, but going like into my adult life, because I became so big, I was, I had to be very careful of not being the big aggressive black guy. Do you know what I mean? Especially in, in workplaces. So I had to always kind of come across differently because people do judge a book by their cover and if you don't know me yeah i might i may look a little bit scary but actually you know i wouldn't hurt a fly so just a teddy bear <laughs> yeah yeah that's it i don't like i just i'm not aggressive i'm not aggressive at all um so yeah like i had to learn how to change who i was a little bit um but now now i've started grindhouse and i kind of like i'm the co-founder so i, I run the business and me and all my um, you know, fellow business owners, we are now becoming, we're not scared to be who we are. And mm. we're not, you know, this is who I am. And some people like, sometimes when I talk, they go, oh my God, you're so loud. I said, yes, I'm loud. Yes, God gave me this voice for a reason. That's why I'm in this position. Oh my God, you shh. I'm like, no, I won't shush. That's me. If you don't like it, then go. I I love that. I think that's great. You know, you're really sort of harnessing, um, harnessing you. Um, and you talk about learning. 
um, you know, learning to change who we are and having to, to have, you know, having to do that for some time. Um, I'm tying that back into a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago now about your time at school and learning. You mentioned that your time at primary school and your younger years wasn't easy. Learning the traditional way didn't come naturally to you. Mm. Um, You know, how did you navigate that landscape? It was like, it, it, I didn't, you know, at the time, I, 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 there were certain things I was really good at and certain things I just wasn't that good at. Um, But I I was quite lucky because some of the teachers really took a, um, a liking to me and pushed me um, to, to want more. Maybe they seen that, I, you know, I was worth more and sometimes I'd piss around a little bit. Um, but yeah, I found it really difficult, like with concentration and things like that. And now knowing who I am now, I obviously had learning difficulties. Like I cannot read at all, like out loud, because in my head I can read, but it's, I'm not reading what's on the paper. Um, out loud I can't read because I will read a sentence and completely mix it up and a whole a whole sometimes I'll be story to my daughter and she'll be like that's not what it says and I'll be like you know what it it doesn't you're right I'll just make it up and it's the same with spelling and and all that you know writing things down and things like that like I just wasn't good at that but I was creative so how to use my strengths and that's kind of how now we, we've started the business and I I know what I'm good at and luckily I've got business partners that can read and write very well that do that part for me but and I will push on being creative and 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 you know being kind of hands-on um just to like make you understand that when I went back to university when I was 20 must be like 26 and I remember sitting down um, in the, the classroom and was talking about the, the muscles of the body and, and it's all in Latin and all this. And I can remember thinking, oh, my God, I will never get this. And I passed the practical with the highest grade. I think it was like in like five years. And I passed the theory by like a half a percent. <laughs> and I think they might have just gave me that just for the sake of it because they couldn't be asked to keep me any longer. But that's how my brain will work. Like hands on, I can do anything. But like listening and taking things in is is very very difficult for me. So when when did you learn that there are different ways to think and learn? Um, you know, you say that you struggle with um, you know reading and writing, for instance, and that you are more practical and hands on. Um, like when did you learn that there isn't a one size fits all? Well, I, I was quite lucky because I knew what I wanted to be early on. Um, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be in fitness, um, and I wanted to be a personal trainer at the time. Um, so I was always kind of like just a person to talk to. Like I've had clients that are, you know, age from nine years old all the way up to seventy years old, and I've always been able to gel with anyone, and that's just my personality. So I never had to use the other skills. It wasn't until recently with setting up Grindhouse that I realized that I was weak on certain areas. But having people around me, I, I don't need to kind of worry about that. You know, I'll just be like, hey, Connor, read through this. And he'll be like, no, change this, change. And he won't judge me for not understanding it. Where I think it's, it's hard for some people and they're scared to kind of like say certain things because they don't have the right people around them to kind of be like, 
oh, you know what? Let me just help you and let me just do it for you. They'll kind of be like, what? You can't do that? You're thick or you can't do it. And, and then you kind of go into your shell a little bit more. Well, I'm proud to say I can't read well um, out loud and I can't write well, but I can do all the shit really well. <laughs> I think that's such a good um, takeaway, Lewis, and certainly one that I can resonate with. I think as human beings, um, especially ones in large metropolitan cities like London, we place a lot of pressure on ourselves to do well, to succeed, and perhaps to not always ask help, right? To try and mm. do as much as we can by ourselves independently. When, you know, when when should one ask for help? And when does one have the courage and vulnerability to ask for it? I think it's just get, you just got to get used to asking for help. You've just got to literally ask for help. I've only learned recently to be able to talk about um, issues like mental health issues and things like that, where before I was like, I felt that I had to be the strong one. And if I go down, the whole ship goes down, especially like with my family and, and friends, I, I always had to kind of be the person that's like, oh, he's always doing all right. I've got through life without not many people actually asking me, Louis, you're all right? Because they just assumed that I was always all right. And it actually wasn't until last year where I, I realized that you, I had to start talking about stuff because my, my head was going to explode. And the more I spoke about it, the easier it gets to speak about it. So like my advice to someone is just speak to anyone, ask for help now. And literally it'll be the hardest thing first time. And then when you get the response that you didn't think you're going to get, you'd be like, oh, I can ask for help again and ask for help again. And you will get nowhere in this world without help from someone. You just can't. You just, you just can't do it all yourself. I've learned that. You cannot do it all yourself. You need people around you to help you, guide you, mentor you, and, and teach you the right way. I think that's such a good takeaway, Lewis. I think, you know, it sort of links back to um, what we were saying earlier about this false sense of reality and perception that we have of other people always doing better than we are and sort of mm. uh, having to um, live our lives with this, you know, sort of built up um, um, stress and tension. And yeah. I think, I, think um, I hope that the last year in particular has encouraged us all to be a little bit more vulnerable and ask for help and support as and when we need it. And yeah, hopefully, yeah. And more importantly, just to be a little bit kinder to, to one another um, as well. Um, do, do you have any, do you have any regrets? Um, perhaps if we break that down into two, any short-term regrets in the last year and then any longer-term regrets? Um, the only regrets I have is how I've made other people feel in certain situations. That's the only um, regrets I have. Even and though even though they have felt that, it, it's worked out for the better. They've learned and I've learned and we've all kind of, you know, got better from it. But I sometimes sit there and remember situations and I'd be like, fuck, you was a right arsehole. And if I could go back and amend them without changing what's happened, I would. But that, that's the only regrets I have. And that, and that is literally based at the mother of my child. <coughs> They're the only, that, that's the only regrets um, I, I have in life. I don't have any, any, any other regrets. Everything else was for a reason. But the, in certain situations, I was just a dick. I was just young, young dick. <laughs> 
So, so it sounds like uh, you still advocate speaking your mind and perhaps have taken a bit of a conscious effort to not be an old dick. Yeah, no, I'm still a dick, but I just do it a different way. No, I, I was just, a, I was just young, you know, like older now. I look back, I was like, just a young idiot. I just didn't know what was right for me and what I thought was right. I was just caught up in, you know the London living and, and, and thinking that certain things were important. And, you know, I'm thankful now that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm only 33 and I know what's important, you know, to me, I like what I look for in friends, family relationships for, you know, for pleasure, whatever. I don't need to be doing wild shit at this age, which is, which is a great thing. Um, but some people had to learn the hard way for me to kind of, be that person now so what do you look for in your friends in relationships in your your clients in your business endeavors like what are the common threads that you that you value i just think as long as you're yourself and you don't have any what i can't stand is one is like drama two is games um three is people trying to be something that they're not um you know and it's it's like my number one rule is just be yourself Jay-Z said it, he's like, I, I don't change my voice in any room. It's like, that's just be you. I say it to a lot of instructors that I see that I know as personal friends and then they'll go on and they'll teach a class and they'll do this, hey, hello everyone. And I'm like, what are you doing that voice for? Like, that, just get that, same with the telephone voice. My best friend when we was working from home, he had to do a presentation on a meeting and his voice, like he just started speaking old English. I was like, Mickey, that's not how you speak. Why are you speaking like that? Just never change who you you are. People will love you for who you are. And the ones that don't love you, they weren't supposed to be there anyway. But the more you try and pretend to be someone else, the harder it's going to be later on to keep up that. So no matter what relationship, friendship, I'm totally honest. This is who I am. And you be yourself. And there is no games. You feel a certain way? Tell me. I feel a certain way? I tell you and we'll work it out. It's a tricky one, that though, isn't it? Because I would imagine when you talk about your your friend who comes on and sort of speaks in an old English accent, probably some of that, whether it's in, intentional or not, probably stems from some some deep rooted um, insecurities. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, you, you kind of you have to tell people that you don't need to be insecure, and and you can be you can be yourself, and it's hard. But, you, you know, the more you try and be yourself, the, the better you get at it. So what keeps you up at night? Oh, firstly, I don't, I, nothing keeps me up. I literally put my head on a pillow and I'll sleep all the way through to the morning. Like, that's one thing. Um, all the but, squats you've been doing, yep. No, yeah, it's all the training. I, I have to be active throughout the day. Like, something going on. I don't know what it is. But, like, if I go on a holiday, I won't be able to lie down for more than, like, three minutes went to the park the other day like everyone's sitting down I stood up the whole time I'm obviously like hyperactive so as long as I'm active throughout the day when I lie down at night I'll just go to bed and sometimes my mind will go crazy with business so business what now the business I am now is like imagine knowing something is amazing and imagine seeing in five years time what something could be but to, to get there, you need to convince other people to, to help you financially with investment. And if they do help you, not only will they change your life, but 
they could potentially change the you could potentially change the world in fitness and the thought of that not happening sometimes can can cripple you but i have now found the strength to believe that it will just happen so but them insecurities of maybe it won't maybe it's maybe you're wrong will all, sometimes sometimes creep in but i'm very good at being like nah this is gonna happen this is happening um and this will will happen and i'm not gonna take anything else from it you know and there's no, no other you can't tell me anything else um and that that's it yeah, that's the ego creeping in, isn't it? Right? Yeah, it's horrible. It's it's, a, it's a, and I can under, and you know I'm good at keeping it out, but I, I I the the thought of people feeling that way and having that anxiety and insecurity, it hurts me because I know how crippling that can be. Where sometimes it just takes over your body and you feel like, what am I doing? I don't know what I I you know I can't do anything. Is this gonna work? And all this panic, but you have to be like this is going to fucking work. And you, you, you know, I went to church on Sunday and the, the, the word was like, you have to tell the whole story and stop telling the story of where you're, you're at right now. And you've got to tell the whole story. So now I know my story and what it's going to look like. So I don't tell like, Oh, what's happening at the minute. I tell the whole story. And the more I tell the whole story, the more that story is going to happen rather than just keep concentrating on this chapter and then next chapter you work next chapter next chapter then chapters will change if you do, if you if you're not planning the whole story so it's like tell your whole story you know if you want to do something find the story write the story and tell the whole story continuously continuously and it doesn't matter if you get a thousand no's don't matter because the end of the story is going to be good because you, you you've told the whole story I love it. Keep preaching. I think it's, I think you're absolutely right. I think the more you believe in something and the more you say it out loud, then there's a less of a chance that you will fail. Or if we can even call it failure, right? You're trying to reach your, your goal and your destination. The more you speak about it, the more clearly you see it. Yeah. The more it will become true. And 100%. I think, I think we're also, you know, our own worst enemies. Actually, we, we put so much pressure on ourselves to succeed and do well. And actually, if we were to take a step back, I think most of us would probably agree that we have a team of supporters, whether they be it, you know, our friends, our partners, um, our colleagues um, supporting us along the way and, and hoping that we do succeed. Mm. Um, but how important you, you mentioned that you went to church how important is 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 faith to you in 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 helping you actually achieve these successes and highs a lot it's it plays a big part of my life is is faith and um god or whatever anyone wants to call it i don't really stick to kind of like um religions um i kind of accept all religions i accept, I accept all beliefs um but how i play it is that i I believe that this is is already played out for me and it will happen. And the more I stop worrying and the more I understand that this will happen because someone else that's way more powerful than any human that tells you no it has already said it's going to happen, that's works for me. And, you know, I 
have so much faith because of where I, what's happened to me and, and the, the shit that like there's certain times where it's like make or break. For example, when I got into university, like I had no grades. I told them that I had these grades. They said, well, prove it. I made some shit certificates. Then I, and then I went to registration and in the registration book, it had my old grades there. And I put it on the, <laughs> the table and I was like, yeah. And I looked at her and she just looked at me and went and stamped it. It was as if she was blinded by something and it was like, that is meant to happen. And I believe there's certain shit that's going to happen and it's meant to happen that no, no one can stop this now. And it's not because it's, it's me that's doing it. It's because there's, there's uh, someone looking over me that, that's, that's, that's made this happen. Lois, I love that you uh, forged your way into university. I think I might have to get you to rewrite my CV and be my reference. Who knows? Hopefully, I can't get arrested for that. Uh, I'm just making sure what was it. <laughs> we'll keep it on the DL. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, it seems like, you know, you're pretty content where you are in life, but obviously striving for more in the sense of you have goals and ambitions and. Um, Grindhouse has launched online. It's a super successful uh, fitness platform that's revolutionizing the way in which we are looking at fitness as a whole. And you mm. guys are set to open up your physical studio soon, which is super yeah. exciting. I can't wait to pop in. But what do you wish you could have more of? Um, materialistic. I wish I could have more um nothing i don't wish i had more nothing like i just not even more time <laughs> no man this time's time like you can't change it i just don't think i need more of anything right now um if anything i i, I just wish i was more i was i was able to be like more emotional towards other people um and not be kind of so harsh because of the way I am by putting it on other people. Like, I'm, I'm not very simp um, sympathetic to small problems. And uh, when they seem small to me, they might be big to someone else. That's the only thing I wish I was better at, but I don't wish I had more anything. I don't wish I had more money. I don't wish I had more friends, more, uh, I've, uh, a lot of love. Um, I have a roof over my head. I think I think I think that's a really um, really great answer. More empathy, and I think actually it's something, Lewis, that all of us can um, mm. take away. Um, we can all be a little bit more sympathetic and empathetic towards others. I think. Um, 100%. What, so, what's next for you and for the world? <laughs> um, I'm going to change the world through fitness over the next five years, um, and the bigger the platform I have, and the bigger the platform that my four other co-founders have the more impact we can have on the communities that all of us came from and the more you know we can show that it's anything is possible because literally any if we do what i think we would do which we will anything is possible we all came from pretty much nothing we've all been broke we've all been rock bottom and we all decided one day, no more of that bullshit. Let's make some of our house and, and you know, make ourselves. And we'll be an example to so many different people that were in our situations, that were gay, black, Asian, here, no education, felt lonely, felt depressed, 
to say, you know what, you can change change it all with just a little bit of hard work. I not a little that. bit of hard work, it's quite a lot of hard work. A lot of hard <laughs> work. I made it sound a bit easy. It's not easy. It's quite hard. Well, that's exactly it, isn't it, right? I mean, I think it goes back to that point of instant gratification. We all want it now. We have a false sense of reality. And if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. But you're right. Um, persistence is key. And I think we can absolutely achieve our goals with a lot of hard work. I think there have been some really good uh, pearls of wisdom that you've left us with um, in this conversation. But if I hand the baton over to you for one more takeaway what would you love to leave our listeners with what is it that you want them to to go away with really reflecting on um i just think everyone should take a step back and just believe in yourself and no matter what you're going through no matter what's happening to you right now no matter what situation you're in no matter you know the bullshit that you're dealing with is just believe in yourself and and you know believe that you're worth more and by doing that sh that bad shit will change because if you believe you're worth more and you believe in yourself you'll make it happen and you'll make it change and listen i was from nothing but i believed i was different and, and i was special um and i'm i made that happen by just believing in myself so yeah believe in yourself and some crazy shit can happen <laughs> oh lewis i love that i feel like you've just inspired me to go away and do like 200 burpees um, <laughs> <laughs> um it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today and i know that um myself and beatrice my co-producer will certainly be be joining you for your in-studio classes as soon as they're allowed to to, yeah. to open post lockdown and um we look forward to seeing the the fierce louis there's uh, no fierce louis just a big teddy bear the big teddy bear absolutely but it's been such a pleasure having you with us today thank you thank for you making much. the time and uh, we look forward to staying in touch 100 percent Thanks for joining us for another episode of How Long Have You Got? The Identity Podcast. One of the key takeaways for me this past year is consistency is key. They say that hard work is the easy bit and that consistency is the hard bit. And I feel like Lewis has hammered this home. Join us for episode five in two weeks time when we welcome Claire Velotti, VP International of Snapchat to talk about cultural identity, language and the drive for achievement. How Long Have You Got? is hosted by me, Emma Blackmore and co-produced with B. Pizarra Aparizio. Sound design by Billy Clark, music by The Amazing Parallels, and cover art by Milena DeLuca. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all soon.